You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome to the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast recording here for week 15 of the NFL season. Coop, uh, for fantasy football, it is playoff time for everybody. Hopefully you're all still listening there. You've been able to make and advance into your uh, playoff lives there for fantasy football. But if not, we still have plenty of DFS, fantasy football strategy content. We're going to be doing some playoff uh, contests content as well. Uh, so just because the fantasy football season may have ended for some, uh, still plenty of reasons to tune in each week here, Coop. Absolutely, man. I mean, even in the offseason, to be honest, I love the offseason. I love the speculation that goes through um, the NFL offseason. I love the offseason before NFL drafts where all your takes are pristine and and perfect before football comes along and ruins them. So football season never ends for me. But, I mean, this time of year especially, it's fantasy playoffs. And if you're not fantasy playoffs, there's all sorts of things that, like, DraftKings – FanDuel, they all recognize that there's a huge market of gamers out there that, uh, you know, are are missing their fantasy football. And they come out with all sorts of cool contests, all sorts of cool things this time of year. I know Underdog, for instance, has one where, uh, you know, it's like it's just starting now and you're basically just drafting through the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, use promo code ALARM over there. They'll match a deposit for you. So there's a lot of stuff going on that uh, that's pretty awesome, man. So let's get into these games. Let's talk about who's going to be relevant. Let's talk about who's going to win us leagues this year, John. Yeah, for sure. Week 15 is an interesting one here, Coop, because uh, the Saturday game schedule begins. Uh, we have your usual Thursday night football game. We got three Saturday games. Uh, we got your Sunday slate and, of course, Monday night football. So kicking off here, Thursday night football, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, big story from last week was the knee injury or ankle injury, I think it was, to Debo Samuel. He's going to miss the next three weeks. So Really tough blow for fantasy football managers there. You've likely just lost Debo for the fantasy football playoffs. Uh, Brock Purdy is your quarterback there in San Francisco now after the Jimmy Garoppolo injury a few weeks ago, though Purdy looked really good last week against Tampa Bay. Seattle, big news here. Kenneth Walker expected to play this week, but obviously against San Francisco, a really tough spot for him. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. I mean, the thing is, Kenneth Walker might be in that range of guys where if he's playing, you start him. You know what I mean? It's a tough matchup, but uh, he's that good of a player. So a lot of decisions coming on that. Uh, For us, you're going to want to join us on the uh, Fantasy Alarm morning playbook on Sunday morning, 9 to 11. We'll have so much more info then, and then that's the best time to ask us. Difficult start sits like ones that involve Kenneth Walker. Uh, For these other guys, you know, you start Brandon Ayuk. I'm starting George Kittle. Uh, it's a perfect matchup for him versus the Seahawks. And now with no Debo, it's looking pretty good. I mean, uh, the other concern was Brock Purdy, but he looks pretty good, John. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, listen, uh, one thing I talked about with Purdy when he moved into that starting lineup was that uh, if there was an offensive system built for a sort of plug-and-play quarterback, San Francisco feels like it fits that mold, right? They had plenty of talent around them. A fantastic offensive line, the best running back in football with Christian McCaffrey. Like, and their offense didn't really lean on the quarterback to win them games. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't out there being asked to win them football games. He was asking them to manage the football game and not turn the football over. And and that you really couldn't pick a better system for a guy like Purdy to fall into here. Uh, looked great against Tampa Bay. He's throwing touchdown passes. He's protected. He's making the right decisions. And yeah, now he's going up against Seattle. 
Uh, a good spot for the running backs this season. Seattle uh, giving up a lot of points, uh, fantasy points to the running back position. Uh, against against quarterbacks, they've been okay, but still, you know, teams can throw against them. But like I said, you know, they're not going to ask Purdy to do a ton. I don't know if there's any fantasy value really with Purdy. You know, if you went out there and lost Kyler Murray, I don't know if Brock Purdy's the the replacement per se to go in there and, and hope for your yeah. fantasy dreams. But uh, he looked good. He didn't make too many mistakes, and he's set up for with a lot of talent around him. Nobody, nobody is. He's a guy that you don't start in one QB leagues, but in uh, two QB or super flex, he immediately goes ahead of all those guys that are just terrible. So yeah. he just falls into that range of guys that are usable. Uh, speaking of guys that are usable, we were, you know, whenever a guy goes down, uh, we we think to ourselves, okay, who is going to pick up that slack? With certain teams, we've seen like the Chargers. If Keenan Allen goes down or Mike Williams goes down, Josh Palmer is a, a locked in star. So with this team, you kind of you look at it and say, okay, uh, who's going to be that guy? Unfortunately, once Debo went down, the extra snaps were split between. Uh, Juwan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod. Neither one of them played even a 50% snap share, despite Debo himself playing less than 50% of the snaps. Unfortunately, because of uh, how often this team uses fullback Kyle Juszczyk, how often they use Tyler Croft, we're probably not going to get an additional fantasy relevant piece there. Uh, people are going to be reaching for it, but it's probably just going to mean more targets for Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle. So I wouldn't just try and plug and play a guy like Juwan Jennings or Ray Ray McLeod. Just Anybody out there, be careful with that. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon Ayuk, I, I, I think I heard you say Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk could be the one. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Oh, um, sorry, yeah. Brandon Ayuk, not Debo. So I, Debo I think Samuel. what hurts with, with Debo is that the way they utilize Debo Samuel is why I think we saw sort of that shared workload, right? Like Brandon Je- uh, or Jawan Jennings is your typical wide receiver. Ray McLeod kind of like your hybridy scat back sort of you know role for that offense where you know Samuel's that one that one type of receiver in one body they split sort of how they want to run their play calling uh in packages based off of their calling with McLeod and Jennings there so I'm with you they're tough to kind of plug and play you know Ayuk is definitely the guy that's going to benefit kind of Kittle for sure any number McCaffrey's going to step up big what's your thoughts on Jordan Mason double digit carries in two of the last three weeks is he is there any fantasy relevance for you or is he just a stash in case CMC goes down for the playoff run yeah he's just a stash because you need a very specific game script to see this level of carries and we'll talk about it when we get to the Carolina Panthers because they're a recent example that I think is going to fool a lot of people and in a bad way like if you think about this game if this is a complete blowout that's the only way that Jordan Mason gets this many carries. So uh, unless you're predicting these games to all be blowouts in favor of the 49ers, which when you look at their schedule, there's not that many of them on there. I don't think the Seahawks is a game where it's a, uh, you know, it should definitely be a blowout. I mean, it's only a three and a half point spread. So in that case, I don't think they're going to have the luxury of handing the ball off that many times. So Jordan Mason to me is a bit of a flash. And then before we wrap this up and move on to the Saturday games, uh, just want to say in Seattle, it, you know, you start, Lockett, you start Metcalf. Noah Fant continues to split the snaps with Will Disley, making him less than appealing. If one of Fant or Disley were to get hurt, they would become viable. But uh, just be careful with Noah Fant. His production does not match his usage. And what happens a lot of times in that case is you have a game where he goes out and runs like, you know, 15 routes and only catches a couple balls, and then you're in big trouble. Yep, I agree with you there. All right, Saturday matchup here. We have the Colts versus the Vikings. Vikings at home giving four and a half, maybe 48 and a half game total. Uh, Minnesota last week losing to the Detroit Lions. 
Uh, we have the Colts here again. They're they're going back when Matt Ryan still, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Paris Campbell, uh, Michael Pittman. For DFS, I actually think the Colts could be a sneaky offensive play this week, you know, because of how bad Minnesota's secondary has been. Look at the last three quarterbacks Minnesota's faced. It's been Jared Goff, it's been Mike White, it's been Mac Jones, and they've all thrown for over 340-plus yards. Mac Jones went for 380, White went for 360, Goff last week for 340. Uh, Matt Ryan, you know, could maybe turn back the clock a little bit here. Uh, and, And with Pittman and Paris Campbell at his disposal, maybe Alec Pierce as well actually throw down field and have success against his Minnesota Vikings secondary. Yeah. And golf, I mean, golf could have thrown for more. If, uh, if the Vikings right. offense played as well as the Vikings offense usually does, then this would have been more of a shootout. So uh, the, the Vikings are one of those matchups. The Lions themselves are one of those matchups where you just want players in those games because the defenses aren't great. The offenses keep it competitive and that's the formula for shootout. So, uh, you know, who you, who you liking, if you're going to, if you're going to pair Matt Ryan with somebody uh, let's say the take Pittman off the table. Do you like Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce better? Yeah, you know, Pierce had the early edge and then Pittman kind of had the midseason. I'm going to lean uh, Campbell here. He just feels like the bigger play guy, but certainly a little bit tougher, um, you know, to really predict who that true number two wide receiver is. I know Campbell for a bit was playing like 100% of the snaps. Right. Yeah, he's playing a ton. He, he is kind of low A dot. So maybe lean into him a little more on DraftKings where it's full PPR. But yeah, Campbell. Uh, he, he continues to play a huge snap share and run a, a ton of routes. And this this is the matchup where you can get it done. Yeah, 100% here. Uh, on the Minnesota side, we know where we know where we're going, right? The, love Minnesota. Yes. I love Minnesota for fantasy because it's, you know, it's Cousins if you need them. Dalvin Cook, you start everywhere. Justin Jefferson, you start everywhere. TJ Hawkinson, you start everywhere. And then Adam Thielen if you need them. And those are the guys. It's, when it's highly consolidated like that, it makes our lives easy. Yep, 100%. So uh, I do like, again, like the Colts and DFS. Uh, you know, if you're really in a bind, like I said, I I have a league where I have Kyler Murray. Uh, I was very fortunate that, and I put fortune in like quotations, but Aaron Rodgers was on was on the free agent pool there, uh, but he had a buy. So he was available to pick up. And I also on my bench had someone that was on their bye week. So even though games had already been playing, I was able to make the drop once Kyler Murray went down and added Aaron Rodgers, so I didn't have to use any uh, fab money on him and, and likely been outbid by you know the guy I'm facing in the playoffs who would have known I needed a quarterback. Because after Aaron Rodgers, who was floating out there, it was Tannehill. You know, it was like the, the dreads of the dreads uh, on that free agent pool. Uh, Matt Ryan, though, was one of those quarterbacks. Matt Ryan probably would have been my pick if I was stuck without the option of picking up Aaron Rodgers there. So if you're in a bind, just... Because at this point for fantasy playoffs, you got to go week to week, right? So mm-hmm. you're looking at this matchup against Minnesota. Matt Ryan might might be your best available option at quarterback if if you lost Kyler Murray or you're dealing with Lamar Jackson, then Tyler Huntley goes down as well, right? Like, you know, Ryan could be out there in leagues and, and could be the starting option just to give him the matchup. Yeah, it's like you have to you have to change the matchups at this point. We'll talk about that as much as possible because there are some bad matchups and there are some good matchups. This one, with a 48.5-point over-under, this is a good matchup. Yep, so, I, chase I, guys in this game. Big time. Uh, next matchup, Baltimore-Cleveland here. Again, Baltimore, uh, Lamar Jackson's not practicing. Tyler Huntley is uh, still in concussion protocol, but I guess he was seen at walkthrough, so we'll see if he works his way out there. Uh, if not, I think it's Anthony Brown is their third-string quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins came back last week. I, I left him on my bench, Coop. I did not expect 
the CEO was at like 60% of the snap share and the 15 carries for 100 years. Like, I did not expect that out of J.K. Dobbins' first game off the IR. Now he's going up against Cleveland. Cleveland is one of the worst run defenses in the NFL here. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on this Baltimore side of, uh, of this game? Yeah, I was with you on the uh, on not starting J.K. Dobbins. I mean, it just it's it was a big risk. People that took that risk, it paid off, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a risk. You have to keep that in mind. You know, people win a lot of money on scratch tickets all the time. It doesn't mean buying a scratch ticket in the first place was a good investment. You know, so I'm with you on that, John. You didn't make that bad of a play there, but now that we know, now that Cat's out of the bag and he's fully healthy, you got to start the guy, especially in this matchup. Now, for the rest of this matchup. This is one of the ones that I was kind of alluding to, where I said, hey, there's bad matchups, there's good matchups. The over-under for the game we just talked about was 48.5. This one, only 37.5. As we know, games really don't go as low as 35 points in terms of over-under unless there's something crazy happening. So 36 points, 37 points, that's about as low of an over-under as you're going to get in the modern NFL. So this game, certain players, if you can avoid them, then maybe you do it. You know, it's like... The guys on the fence are guys like even Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples-Jones. You have to consider whether it makes sense starting those guys. I mean, definitely any of the Ravens wide receivers I'm going to steer away from. Mark Andrews and David Njoku, you might just have to start because you have nobody else. So, uh, you know, and their usage has been good. But, John, how do you feel about Amari and DPJ in a matchup like this that is supposed to be a very slow grind type game? Yeah, I mean, it's less than ideal. Plus, we haven't really seen Deshaun Watson look that great yet. Uh, still clearly battling some of the of the rust here, um, you know, coming off of his, you know, almost two years, basically, out of the league. Um, you know, but Donovan Peoples-Jones, I, I do like. He, he just continues to produce. So, you know, obviously both of those guys, I think you have to play if they're on your lineup. Um, you know, Cooper has that, you know, wide receiver two. DBJ is probably more of a wide receiver three. And, and if, you know, this ends up being a spot where, you know, Baltimore's been, you know, susceptible to the passing game. Maybe you get a, b- a little bit of a bump here uh, as well. Yeah, maybe what you do with this is, you know, oh, you avoid, you definitely don't stack it up in DFS. And maybe when you're making, if you're making a Saturday only lineup, which I'm definitely going to, uh, then maybe you pick one guy from the game. You know, you pick a Mark Andrews, or you pick a Amari Cooper, or you pick a DPJ, and just hope he's the he's the star in this game. And then you load up on other games where the over under is a little higher. The offense might be a little more explosive. Yep, I'm with you there 100%. Uh, final game here, Miami versus Buffalo. Buffalo's giving 7.5. It's a 42.5 game total. Coop, I don't know if you checked the weather here, but we have a December game in Buffalo at night. It's going to be under 30 degrees. There is a 70% chance of precipitation, which is going to be snow. Uh, and there's about 15 to 20 mile an hour winds in this one. Uh, historically speaking, Miami in December, uh, they don't they don't travel well. They're, they're used to that warm weather playing down in Florida. Um, now, obviously, times have certainly changed. Rosters have turned over. Identities have been updated with all these teams here. But still, Tua, Tyreek, Waddle uh, in a windy, cold snow game doesn't doesn't feel like there's going to be a lot of fantasy points coming from that matchup here. No, it's not. And Vegas feels the same way. 42.5 plus the uh, Bills are 7.5-point favorites. Uh, I mean, somebody even pointed out that when the Dolphins traveled to Los Angeles to play over there, it was 55 degrees, and they had out the space heaters on the sideline. I'm not sure. If they need the space heaters for Los Angeles weather where it's 55 degrees out, they're going to have to have the flamethrowers out in at the Ralph if it's going to be 30 degrees and snowing. I'm not sure how they're going to deal with that. So uh, difficult to trust a lot of those guys. I mean, kind of still got to start Tua where you have them unless you double down on quarterbacks. Um, 
you know, Tyreek Hill, you got to start that guy. Well, how do you feel about the running backs? Obviously, no Dolphins tight ends are viable, but uh, are you going to go there with Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert? Um, Mostert's been playing more snaps than Wilson has of late. So. Yeah, and, and Wilson got carted off the field in that last game, and, and it was dealing with a um, a hip injury. So we don't even know if he's going to be available for this game. Um, you if, he's go- rolled, if, he, if he's rolled out, it makes it – Maybe yeah, a little bit easier to start mixing. I'm sorry. I think you'd go most or anyways, because if this is going to be a game where it's tough to throw, they're going to have to lean on the running game, even in a tough spot here. Yeah. Yeah. I think in that case, you probably do, especially yeah, in the snow. Uh, now on the Bills side, you know, you're starting digs. Um, Gabe Davis has been just okay. You know, it's like if you, you don't have to start Gabe Davis, you don't have to start Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, this is a good matchup for him with the Dolphins. They're a bottom five or so team versus the tight end, but he just not, hasn't really been involved. So uh, it's kind of tough to really start anybody outside Josh Allen and Diggs on this team. I agree with you. Very difficult to trust. The running back situation is super frustrating. I still think that Singletary is the back to play if you have to pick one. Um, you know, but definitely the workload last week where, where Josh Allen is more carries is not what you're looking to see there. No, dude. No. Uh, and I, I don't think the bills want to see that either. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but if uh, this is going to be again, a windy, cold, snowy game, it, you know, probably Singletary is the one that's going to get, maybe we get double digit carries here. So, um, you know, he's the back to play if you have to, but he's a flex play only. Yeah. And of the games this week, this one absolutely has, uh, some of the most, if not the most important playoff implications. If the if the Bills win this game, they are in the uh, way out in front for the AFC East. If the Dolphins win this game, now you got a battle going. So pretty interesting one from that standpoint, from the real life standpoint. Yep, I'm with you there. Let's move to the Sunday slate here. Uh, first game on tap, we got the Detroit Lions versus the New York Jets. The Jets are getting one point. The 44 and a half game total here. Uh, you know, Detroit Lions, they're, they're on the come. They're, 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 they're uh, on a nice little winning streak here uh, as well for them, and, and they're working towards the playoffs. But you look at their def- the teams they face in terms of defensive matchups here, the Jets are going to pose probably uh, their toughest test yet. Uh, DJ Char continues to look phenomenal. Amon Ross St. Brown lo- is looking good. Jamison William caught his first pass and touchdown last week, but only played – so like 18% of the offensive snaps. He once again didn't really wasn't really out there too much. And the running back situation was in shambles. All three running backs now last yeah. week. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and Justin Jackson all played like 34 to 38% of the offensive snaps. And Jackson actually got the rushing touchdown. So nightmare scenario trying to figure out the running back situation in Detroit. Just and the worst possible timing. The worst possible timing for Justin Jackson to come out of the woodwork right before fantasy playoffs, just to say, hey, just a reminder, you can't trust anybody. 25 snaps for Swift. I uh, sorry, yeah, 25 snaps for, for Swift, 26 for Jamal Williams, 21 for Justin Jackson. That hurts, man. That hurts to see. Makes it tough to to start any of those guys. It puts them in the category of start them if you must, if you don't have really anything else. But if you have guys that are playing, uh, you know. 60 70 percent of the snaps these guys all played 30 40 percent at most so it is scary there but yeah you can trust golf you can trust Alman Ross St. Brown DJ Chark and as you pointed out Robert Saw, what an amazing job he's done taking not only uh turning the defense around but this gotta remember this was a 3-4 defense when he showed up and two years later he's converted it into a 4-3 and it is one of the better defenses in the league so uh kudos to him on the turnaround on the Jets side 
Do we know if uh, if Mike White is going to be able to play? I know he left in the ambulance, uh, largely precautionary, but uh, uh, I, I heard he's supposed to be he's supposed to play. He's going to play, yeah. yeah. So okay. So Mike White. So uh, that makes things easier for us. We can prepare prepare for things to be the way they've been, which means Garrett Wilson. I mean, he's locked in for me. He plays virtually every snap. Seventy three of seventy four snaps last week. He's good to go. Uh, I'm only starting Elijah Moore if Corey Davis is out. So Corey Davis did leave the game last week. Uh, we don't really have an update on him yet, but for me, I'm probably not starting either of those guys if Corey Davis is playing. If Corey Davis is out, then I'll consider Elijah Moore just because with Corey Davis only playing nine snaps last week, Elijah Moore ran 47 of 51 routes, which is, uh, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm down for that. And then uh, the one guy that, Unfortunately, got the best playoff schedule of any tight end. Ended up being Tyler Conklin. So if you're back against the wall, really deep league, nothing else going on. I mean, this is a guy who gets the Lions. Uh, what's what's the schedule here? It's the Lions, the Seahawks, and Jaguars. So the three teams that he faces in fantasy playoffs. No tight end is a better matchup. It's just he's not that not that great of a player. But you could do worse in in a situation like this. So, yep, I'm I'm in a full agreement with you there, and I really like. Uh, Wilson this week here against Detroit. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Zonovan Knight continues to be the lead running back there in with New York as well, uh, even with Michael Carter back last week. It was the Bam Knight show, so he's a guy that you can go ahead there and probably start uh, with some confidence there. And he has he also has a very good playoff schedule. for So for those willing to spend the fab on Zonovan Knight, you know, two weeks ago, uh, you know, congratulations. You have yourself a, an RB2 probably uh moving forward there for the fantasy playoffs. he looks good man and rest in peace because i'm there was a real discussion jalen warren or zonovan knight we didn't have information on Najee harris's injury mm-hmm. we didn't have much on michael carter man those couldn't have gone two different ways because zonovan knight is kind of like a starter and a star and jalen warren doesn't even play so yep that was a but that's the way it goes when waivers run on tuesday certainly is uh kansas city houston's your next game here houston getting 14 of course, Houston last week was getting 17 and a half and nearly pulled off the upset on the road against Dallas. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it again this week, Coop. What are your thoughts here? No, dude, no. That You know what? Even, that's the thing. Any given Sunday, right? Any given Sunday, a team can play up to a high level. But, I mean, look at the spread. Vegas is not falling for it here. 14-point spread. You know, it just sometimes the ball bounces your way a few times and you're you hang around you're in the game but at the end of the day the better team won and in if those team plays nine out of ten times the cowboys win sorry if those team plays ten times cowboys win nine out of ten by ten points uh, that's just the way that that goes so i don't trust the texans to put up a fight this week versus the chiefs but uh you know it could still be a high scoring game it could still be a game where you get a lot of fantasy relevancy out of it uh, Damian Pierce, I'm probably still going to con- – oh, I'm sorry. Damian Pierce is hurt. He actually. is. He's out. Yep. Rex Burkhead and Daria Bung- Agungawale. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Agungawale. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not trusting either. I think both those guys finished last last game with negative rushing yards. Yeah, not not so. a great spot against Dallas for them. Uh, both are, are pass-catching backs as well, so they're very difficult to know who's really going to take a turn uh, in that offense for them. Uh, Chris Moore, I guess, is the guy you want. Over 100 yards and 10 catches last week against Dallas. Yeah. I mean, him and Philip Dorsett, like if, if Nico Collins is going to continue to be out, Brandon Cook's going to continue to be out, both those dudes played the whole game. So uh, they were the they were the chosen ones. Amari Rogers was the third man in. So 
uh, maybe worth a dart throw of both of them. If if Nico Collins is out, if Nico Collins is out, then Chris Moore goes back to being the third man in the rotation. He's not as exciting. Yep, I'm with you there. On the Kansas City side, you know where you're going to go, but this is a home run spot for uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Running backs against Houston have just done damage all season long. But last week in our family league, Coop, I uh, I left in Jarek McKinnon, uh, and he had himself a monster day. Uh, he's been pretty productive of late in this offense here. Um, I don't know if the game flow is going to be conducive to a Jarek McKinnon game here, but you know, do you consider him to maybe be flex-worthy this week? McKinnon, I mean, yeah, I, against this team, absolutely. I mean, I, I could see both guys getting double-digit carries, to be honest. Like, it's it's that type of a rushing matchup. And McKinnon's looked explosive. So I think you definitely want Pacheco because he's a starter. He gets more carries, but, uh, you know, both guys could be productive this week. Yep, and then you know where they're going. Throwing the football at Juju Kelsey, you know the show. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll throw I'll yeah. mention mention one more that uh, once again, like unless they uh, update the pricing on Noah Gray, which they have not yet, like he's a guy where you sneak him in a couple lineups, GPP lineups. He's caught a pass in nine straight games. He's playing 60% of the snaps as of late in pretty much every game. The last games have been 60, 66, 58, 57. Caught three passes for 45. All you need when a guy's in that price range is just a random touchdown. So Noah Gray, one of these weeks, is is going to be a guy, I think, that unlocks a lot of power for lineups because of how cheap he is and how viable he is. So keep an eye out for Noah Gray for DFS purposes. Obviously, you can't start him in redraft, but just know that, you know, if – Something where, God forbid, something happens to Travis Kelsey. Noah Gray is going to be the hottest commodity. Yep, I'm with you there as well. Um, Pittsburgh, Carolina. Uh, Carolina's at home giving two and a half. It's a 37 and a half game total. Uh, we don't know who the quarterback will be yet for Pittsburgh. We saw, obviously, Kenny Pickett go out last game with a concussion. Trubisky filled in for him there. So one of those two uh, will be starting. You alluded to the Carolina Panthers running back situation at the top of this podcast. Uh, Donta Foreman, uh, you know, had the carries, had the yards. Chuba Hubbard had the carries, had the yards of the touchdown. And Blackshear also rushed for a touchdown. So can you make some sense of this Carolina Panthers running back situation for us? Yeah, so that's this is where people get tricked. And on the morning show we do, we had people asking us, like, should I, should I get Chuba Hubbard in there? He looks like he's a lock for double-digit carries every week now. Well, the thing is, he has had 14 carries and 17 carries. But in both those games... The team, they've been winning the game handedly in most cases. And, uh, you know, Donta Foreman, the starting running back, has gotten 20 plus carries. You, unless you're actually predicting this team to run the ball 35 to 40 times in pretty much every game, then that's not going to be how it works. So for me, I'm not trusting Chuba. He consistently plays fewer snaps and gets fewer carries than Donta Foreman. You're going to be tempted to potentially do that, but. Uh, you know, against teams like Pittsburgh's defense, against Detroit, where it's going to be Detroit, probably their offense is better. Tampa Bay, you're not going to start them. Like, you can't really trust them to be able to run the ball that consistently. So Chuba Hubbard, to me, is kind of a trap play. And I think a lot of people are going to look at the carries the last two weeks and fall for that. Yeah. Again, it, it was tough, you know. But I will say, before their bye, we had double-digit carries as well. So, like, I... I... But they, that was again. That was they crushed the Broncos that yeah. week, and 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 Foreman in that in both those games had more carries. So Foreman in that game had twenty something carries. I just wonder right? if this is going to be like an Elliott Pollard situation, right? Where like they both kind of get the double digit touches because like what's the identity of the Carolina Panthers, right? Are they 
they're not dropping back there and throwing a ton. Um, you know, so I do feel like both backs are going to get work. And Hubbard got early down work or early game work in this one as well. Uh, his first touchdown, frustratingly, because I had Dante Foreman in DFS, came after Foreman got stopped on two attempts inside the five. And then on third and one, they gave it to Hubbard and he scored. So. Yeah, well- Bill John, I mean that works when you're the Dallas Cowboys, but when you're the five and eight, <laughs> when you're the five and eight Carolina Panthers, just know, know. We just know the rug could be pulled. I agree. So hey, if they come out against Pitt and you know that's the mo and they're running the ball great and everyone's getting a ton of carries, then then you could probably ride that against Detroit too. So right, if it if sure. it works this week, it works next week. Just remember in the playoffs, and all it takes is one week for it to not work, and then the, then you don't have any more weeks left. That's true. Pittsburgh side. Um, again, we don't know the quarterback situation. I don't really think there's a big difference between the two quarterbacks, honestly. Um, Pickens looked good last week. Fryermuth is not practicing, but he's expected to play Sunday. So got to keep a monitor on that one. Deontay Johnson actually looked pretty good last week in that matchup. And you know, Najee Harris is the lead back here. So this is an offense again, where like, we kind of know where the football goes. We know who's going to touch the football. They just kind of suck. So, like, yeah. you know, it, it, you know, all these guys are like flex plays or wide receiver threes, but they're all playable as well. I guess Fryermuth is, you know, a tight end one just because of the position. He's scaring me, though. He's scaring me because last two games he only played 55% and 56% of the snaps. This foot injury is not new. He's been, he's been dealing with it. So he basically goes in. Uh, he only ran 21 of 35 routes, too, which worries me a little bit. But the thing is, when they do put him in, they scheme it up for him. So you can count on him to catch a couple balls. He only has three receptions in each of the last three games, though. So just keep that in mind um, when you're combing through these matchups. Carolina isn't even that good a matchup for a tight end. So if you're one of the guys that was sitting there with Frymuth and Kittle, you start Kittle against Seattle. If you have somebody like Greg Dulcich against Arizona, I mean, I would consider that as well. So if you have other options to pivot just to be safe, uh, you might want to go that way. Fryermuth next week. If Fryermuth turns out to be fine and he's on the mend and he's you know he's good to go next week, you can start him against Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, I'm just worried about the foot situation. I need to see him get a full practice in tomorrow, which is Thursday for anyone listening. Okay. Philadelphia Chicago here. Uh, Bears coming off their bye, getting nine at home, uh, 48 and a half game total. You know, again, Philadelphia's defense right now is is a, just super tough, and they're dealing now. I feel like the advantage that the Bears offense has had is that teams struggle to defend fields because of his mobility. Uh, the Eagles practice against maybe the best mobile quarterback in football every week. So I don't know if this is going to, if this is going to really work out for Justin Fields this week here. Yeah. It's kind of a rough matchup for everybody. I mean, on this Bears offense, you got to start fields if you have nothing else. And same with Cole Komet. I mean, on paper, it's not a good matchup. But got to remember two things for the Eagles is that one, their their defense isn't inside out, sorry, outside in defense with Darius Slay and James Bradbury. The other is that they did recently lose CJ Gardner Johnson, their safety. I think he like lacerated a kidney against the Packers. It was um, so uh, it could be light up the middle. And Cole Komet's played 100% of the snaps the last two games, even before that, he was playing 90%. So you can at least count on him to have some sort of floor. But I'm not starting any Bears wide receivers against these corners under any circumstance. Yeah, I'm with you there. Montgomery could be a, bit, a little bit interesting, but again, Philly you know, added depth to that defensive interior for them as well. So uh, for a bit, teams are running successfully against Philadelphia. Not so much here. So a tough spot for Chicago. On the other side of this game, 
again, you can kind of know where you're going. Chicago's sold off most of their top defensive players here. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts has proven capable of beating you with his arm and his legs. He has 22 pass touchdowns to just three interceptions. He also has 10 rushing touchdowns already as well. So, I mean, he is just a fantasy monster this year. Uh, hopefully, you took the advice of the man telling you to draft him everywhere you could this year. That would be me. Let's um, go. Because he has been uh, ridiculous. Miles Sanders, guy that we have for years said to draft and then didn't this year. Uh, career year for Ooh, him. I, I was on him this year. I wrote the article. That's I wrote the true. dead zone dead zone article. But I was, yeah, it was. I did have my foot off the gas a little bit. I was saying more of a best ball play. When he still. didn't score any touchdowns last year, it was upsetting. Insane. <laughs> um, Insane. And, and yeah. now he has a career high in touchdowns. Uh, I also think that there's a tweet thread somewhere there, Cooper. You and I were defending Miles Sanders, and somebody was talking about Boston Scott getting red zone carries. Anyways, <laughs> we'll talk, we can we digress. <laughs> Uh, Funny how that happens. Yeah, weird. Funny how that happens. Uh, AJ Brown and uh, and Devonta Smith, obviously your guys. I uh, I think Dallas Goddard did he get? Yeah, so Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard got activated. He's going to practice. Okay. This one is very difficult to unravel, man. This one's tough to unravel. We're going to get a ton of start sit questions on this one, and this is the one where we have to be honest with everybody and say, with these injuries, when guys come back, it's very difficult to figure out how much they're going to play. Now, there's a couple things that go into it. For instance, you look at David Njoku. When he first came back from his injury last time, uh, he, he only played a partial snap share, and a lot of that was because it was a lower body injury. You run into conditioning. With this with Dallas Goddard, it's a shoulder injury, right? Daniel Bellinger, when he came back, he had an eye injury. He immediately played 64 of 66 snaps because his conditioning was up. He was ready to play. Now, uh, on the flip side, you have... Uh, him coming off injury, so he hasn't played in four weeks. It's a game they should win handily, so they might not need their nine-point favorites. They might not need to run him a ton. And the other part is this Bears defense has been very good against the tight end. It's been a top-five defense versus the tight end. I mean, they have only played a couple good tight ends, Dalton Schultz, Hunter Henry, uh, and they also lost their safety, Eddie Jackson. So it's like such a... Uh, you could go back. I can. I'm listen to me right now. I'm arguing with myself, going back and forth <laughs> with myself about you know all the different layers what to this matchup. It's gonna come down to Coop. It kind of put a bow on that. It's like who 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 would you be starting instead of Dallas Goddard? Exactly. Right? That's like, exactly what it is, right? And I'll I'll come out with my rankings on Thursday. So again, tomorrow, if you're listening to the podcast today, I'll come out with my rankings and I'll tell you exactly where I'm drawing that line, right? And it's probably going to be only a few guys ahead of him. You know, it's going to be. Kelsey, Hawkinson, Andrews, Schultz, Kittle, Fryermuth is where it gets close. David and Joku, I'm going to have a head versus Baltimore. Chig Greg, Conquo, Do- you know. Yeah, well, Chig, <laughs> Chig is tough. So it's like Ingram has a bad matchup. Cole Komet, we just talked about in this game, not a good matchup for him. So it's like, where do you draw that line? Right. Greg Dulcich is probably going to be right up against that line. I'm going to hammer that out, give you my best opinion. But at the end of the day, this is fantasy football. Those decisions where it's uncertain, you got to make them for yourself. Like I can never tell anybody really whether to start Taysom Hill or not because you you know you know what the upside is you know what the downside is in this instance with Dallas Goddard we all know he could play 15 snaps he could play the whole game and catch 10 passes that you you just got to know that that's the range of outcomes and make that call for yourself. Yep, I agree with you there as well. Uh, speaking of Taysom Hill, we have the Atlanta Falcons against the New Orleans Saints here. The Saints are at home, giving four. The 42-and-a-half game total. Big stories here is that the Falcons quarterback change, Desmond Ritter, 
going to be starting for Atlanta this week here. Uh, they had their bye last week. Uh, you know, decided to make the quarterback change uh, to the rookie here uh, with them uh, you know, essentially out of the playoff hunt now at this point. Uh, should be interesting. Ritter was definitely an RPO quarterback in college. Um, so it's not, it's not as if all of a sudden they're going to be doing a spread offense here. Uh, what you what they ran with Mariota, they're probably going to be running with Ritter uh, in this spot. Also kind of tough because the Saints have a pretty good run defense. So not not expecting much to come from Atlanta in this game. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure if you heard, but Mariota apparently was blindsided by this this decision. He was not happy with it, and he actually left the team. He's not been with the team. I think they they found a way to trump him up and put him put him on IR. I saw that they put him on IR. Yeah, yeah, which came as a surprise. I was like, "What's the injury?" It turns out that you know he had an injury feelings. enough to put him. <laughs> yeah, his feelings were badly hurt. So yeah, uh, that you know that sucks. You hate to see that happen. Uh, but you know we're not part of that organization. We're not in those meetings. We don't know whether Mariota truly had the rug pulled on him or whether Mariota is you know it's it's his fault. It's his feelings. So. Hard to make a judgment on it, but figure people you, you should know. You know what happened is that they're looking at the final four weeks here or whatever, and they're like, we need to know if Ritter's our quarterback for next season or not, right? And, right. and they're going to get on some game action here uh, and starting off with the Saints. So It's a perfect time to do Atlanta, it. So. They had the bye week. They had the bye week. Yep. Like That's the perfect excuse to be like, hey, you know what? We're going to take these two weeks to get this kid ready to start. I mean, if you're going to do it, now's the time. Yep. So I agree with you. Uh, that said, I don't want anybody in Atlanta. I don't know. Maybe maybe the running backs with uh, with Algier and Patterson, they're splitting carries like 50-50. I, I don't know. I don't want anything else, though. I don't know. Drake, Drake London is the closest you can come to somebody that is viable, but just know could be awful. Right? Could be awful. I mean, it, Find out who in, Ritter's been eating lunch with. You know? Right, like, for sure. Probably Anthony Ferkser or somebody, yeah, you know. Right, but, uh, yeah. You can't trust any of those guys. On the Saints side, John – uh you know it's still andy dalton a quarterback they made that announcement so because uh, they too are coming out of their bye week right so yeah you're gonna have guys healthy you start alvin Kamara where you you know you just gotta start him like he's getting the snaps it's uh he's getting the carries uh, ingram's out for the year on ir so backup yeah. back's gone yeah ingram that that play where he was hurt like he was clearly hurt but i mean it was just could've, sad to see got a yard could have got a yard for could have got that yard probably yeah so sad to see that and then juan johnson might be back going to be again he's in a situation where he doesn't play all the snaps but they do like him in the red area so it's a, and it's a good matchup uh you know the falcons have not been able to contain tight ends at all so probably more of a dfs play for me but i don't hate it in dfs then of course Taysom hill you start him you know, like that decision is entirely yours i'm not going to tell you facing somebody in the fantasy football playoffs with Taysom hill as their tight end this week so i'll tell you what dude like sitting back here my one take on Taysom hill is this sitting back and saying, I'm just going to ride Taysom Hill for three weeks through fantasy playoffs, that's got to be as close as you can get to playing Russian roulette. <laughs> like, you know that it's not about when the gun doesn't go off. You know what I mean? Like, he could have fine weeks. It's about when the gun does go off and he has one point or two points, which he's done multiple times. That's what you have to worry about because in fantasy playoffs, you got it's not about winning one game. It's about winning three straight. So it doesn't matter if two out of three of those games he does Taysom Hill stuff. It's the one where he does nothing that kills <laughs> yeah. you. So that's that's my thoughts on that process. Uh, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, John, Jarvis Landry. Rashid Shahid looks kind of explosive. He, he's a fun player. I will say I will give him that. Yeah, they're flex plays. Olave, obviously, wide receiver too. But Landry and, and Shahid are, are flex plays at best. Uh, really deep league formats. You did, there's just been no consistency 
outside of the top guys in this offense. And even then, there's been inconsistencies with guys like Kamara. So, um, you know, it'd almost be beneficial if they would put Jameis Winston in there because at least you know they're going to take shots downfield. Right. Yeah. Then, then it becomes a lot more interesting with a guy like Shahid. Uh, you know, and I guess maybe in leagues where that count punch and kick return yards, he gets a little boost because he is an explosive player. And he's a lot of fun to watch. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take one back to the house on a on a punt or a kick, but you can't bank on that. You can't, you know, you can't uh, say this is the week he does it. You know, yep. but at least his snaps are ramping up, which is nice to see. I agree. Dallas Jacksonville here. Jacksonville getting four and a half at home. It's a forty-seven and a half game total. Uh, Coop, uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys added T.Y. Hilton this week to their lineup hmm. uh, after uh, you know the activating James Washington as well. So their wide receiver depth. Uh, getting a little deeper, but this is still an offense that loves to run that football with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Yeah, I think the the addition of T.Y. Hilton doesn't do anything for me, except for it just officially uh, vaporizes Noah Brown. Not that you were really starting him anyway, but he was playing some snaps. Uh, the snaps aren't going to come from CeeDee Lamb. They're not going to come from Michael Gallup. I imagine the touches aren't either. It's just, you know, now they add that field-stretching component to the offense with uh, T.Y. Hilton. Slight boost for Dak, right? Like, why not? More weapons. That's the thing of a, of adding a T.Y. Hilton, uh, you know, it's Jerry Jones's money for the rest of us. Like, he can't – what what harm could he do? Worst case scenario is yeah, – he they, probably only plays like 10 or 15 snaps, right? Like, exactly. he's not T.Y. Hilton isn't going to go out there and play 80%, but 20%, 30%, yeah. like, he'll, he could find a way, a small little roll up. Well, the Deshaun Jackson role. You yeah. know, he'll probably at one point catch a 40, 50-yard pass and we'll go, whoa, yeah. look at T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I used to do that all the time, right? Like, exactly, yeah. That, that'll probably be what it is. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to try, try and roll him out in DFS or anything like no, that. No, all the kind of interesting. you can probably play, again, just yeah. a good target for, uh, for... The interesting one, uh, you know, is uh, Tyron Smith has been back at practice. I I think he might be back this week. I mean, if Tyron Smith comes back and he's Tyron Smith, these Cowboys, man, these Cowboys could be real. You it could run, be the run right behind that man, you know? Like It could be the one time that they're not actually frauds. So, we'll see. Uh, on the Jaguar side, John, Trevor Lawrence, man, you're the QB guy. You liking what you're seeing out of Trev? I liked it uh, last week. I didn't like it the week before. I probably won't like it this week, so... Um, yeah, this we is should. what this is what was frustrating, right? Two weeks ago, we said against Houston, this is the spot for Jacksonville, you know, or Detroit rather. It's like this is the spot for Detroit. They're gonna let us down uh, against you know for Jacksonville against Detroit, and they did. They they let us down. They only scored fourteen points. Didn't put up any fantasy points, and everybody's like, you know, this is what this is what you get for trusting a, a Jacksonville Jaguars led team. Then last week. They face Tennessee, and they run all over them, right? Uh, Lawrence has a monster day. I don't see that happening against Dallas this week, so I'm going to fade off on the Jacksonville offense here. You know, obviously you play Kirk, you know, if you yeah. play Zay Jones, because what else you got, right? But, like, just temper your expectations for me. I mean, again, Chris Moore had 10 catches and 120 yards last week. It's not like Dallas doesn't give up yards. We talk about that with Diggs all the time. He goes to make plays, and sometimes he gives up big plays. I, it just feels like this defense again is just they're they're too good too consistently for them to put up another game like they did against Houston last week. Exactly, man. And even Evan Engram, you know, at this point I'm I'm tired of victory lapping the Evan Engram, uh, the big game. You know, I had a great time with it. Obviously, that's my best boy. game of his I career. <laughs> love to see it. Love to see it coming. He scores a touchdown game before comes out has a monster game, huge best ball game, moves him up in the rankings, but. You just know, you know, maybe it unlocks him, you know, maybe it unlocks him. He's highly capable of also catching one 
pass. He has four games this year with one reception. Yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible. And this defense is one of the best defenses versus a tight end. So you have to keep that in mind. Like, I'm not going to – if I'm going to be level-headed about uh, other tight ends and discount big random games they have when they have games that are uncharacteristic, I have to do the same for players that I like. I'm not moving Evan Ingram up drastically in my rankings. I'm not moving him up drastically in my weekly rankings. We're going to look at this rationally. And if you have somebody else with a better matchup, go for it. Like Dalton Schultz. Like people ask me, Dalton Schultz or Evan Ingram in this? Jaguars are like a bottom five, six, seven team versus a tight end, and the Cowboys are one of the best teams versus tight end. So it's Dalton Schultz. You know, it's like we can't chase last week's points, everybody. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, next matchup here, Arizona versus Denver. Denver's giving two and a half. Who would have ever thought that? 36 and a half game total. A game between two teams that could be starting backup quarterbacks. We know Colt McCoy starting for Arizona. Russell Wilson's in concussion protocol. Could see Brett Ripien starting here. Um, you know, we'll have to figure that one out. If it is backup quarterbacks, good news for the running backs. Latavius Murray, James Conner should be both be in good spots here. Uh, Jerry Judy had three touchdown catches last week. Greg Dulcich looked pretty decent. Uh, but that's about it for the Denver side of things here. Yeah. This game could be a nightmare. 36 and a half point over under is uh, pretty Low. gross. Yeah. Pretty gross, dude. I mean, I will say one thing for Dulcich. He best matchup goes, for tight ends. Best matchup possible for tight ends. And... Last time, Brent Rippey, and I mean, this isn't the first time we've seen him this year. And last time he played, nine targets for Dulcich. That was like the original coming out party for Dulcich. So I'm not fading Dulcich. Of all these guys, um, he's the one I'm not fading. I mean, I'm not going to start Kendall Hinton. You're not going to start Brandon Johnson. Right. Uh, you know, so maybe you start Jerry Judy if you want to Yeah, you'll chase. start you'll start Judy, but he's a flex wide receiver three. Flex wide receiver three, yeah. And then, you know, you start the Tavis Murray where you have to, Dulcich. I'm starting him, man. I like him. I like him in this spot. I like him over certain other guys. I still have to really hammer it down. Again, I want to tweet out my rankings at Coupe Fiasco tomorrow, official for this week. Uh, but he's going to be – people are going to be surprised how high he is. Um, but everything I've I've seen points to him being a decent start. Now, on the Cardinals side with Colt McCoy, we do have a sample size on that. It's not great. Uh, but DeAndre Hopkins, can you afford to bench him? I don't think no, so. No, no, no. You play Hollywood, you play Hopkins, you just live yeah. with it. You just live with it. Trey McBride has had good uh, good deployment, good usage as of late, but that's getting too cute. That's getting too cute here. He's got better matchups down the road uh, if you want to stash him. But Dawson is not catching the football. So Right. I mean, he did catch it this week, and he got absolutely <laughs> shellacked. Yeah. Yeah. The hospital he, ball that he managed to hold on to. How he held on to that ball, I don't know. If it wasn't the 5'8", 170 Marcus Johnson that was laying him out, and he got yeah. leveled by got a popped. guy like that because Johnson's got the speed – um, you know, if that was like, if that was Duggar or something like that, he uh, probably he would have been in a hospital. Dead. So, yeah. um, yeah. Mark, yeah. Marcus Johnson could not have been more surprised that that ball was held onto. He's like, why did I just step in front of that train? You know what I mean? What was that all for? Yeah, I agree with you. It was, I have no idea. That was just crazy. So, crazy. um, Marcus Johnson also, uh, super talented player. First career interception, you know, he's making all these plays in offense and special teams. Uh, you know, good, good for the, for those that haven't been following the Marcus Johns, the Marcus Jones saga, uh, you know, because the Patriots have like ten guys named named Jones, uh, he was a third round pick this year, right? Started off just playing special teams, uh, essentially. Came out and uh, against the Jets in that game where it was three three, he's the one that ran that punt back for the touchdown, and they were like, yeah. okay, this guy can scoot. So then the next game they throw him out on offense. Right. And his very first snap he gets on offense against the Bills. What does he do? 
35-yard touchdown, you know, right down the sideline. So now they're like, hey, this guy, uh, this guy's electric. You know, why don't we start using him on defense at the position we drafted him to play? Last couple of games, 47 snaps week 13. Last week, 86 snaps. Played like the whole game, had an interception. Like, this guy is looking like a pretty good pick for the uh, for the Patriots. Of course, Houston Cougars. If Belichick could just one time channel his random ability to find cornerbacks into drafting a wide receiver, maybe <laughs> maybe this offense would be a little better. Maybe right? the plan should be to draft cornerbacks and convert them to wide receivers, and you'll have better success. Uh, his, the best wide receiver like we have ever had was a uh, you know was Julian Edelman, who was a he wasn't even a wide receiver when we drafted him. <laughs> right, exactly. So maybe we should just stop drafting wide receivers altogether. Yep. Uh, speaking of the New England Patriots, they're they're on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders here. Raiders are giving one. Uh, Coop, big news of the day today. Uh, both Hunter Renfro and Darren Wall are designated to return for IR. Could see them both on the field this Sunday against New England. Yeah, it would have been nicer if only one of them came back, to be honest. Like, I'm not a Raiders fan, so I, I don't really care about them winning games. What I care about is fantasy football, so... It would have been nicer if just one of them came back and the targets would be highly consolidated among uh, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, for instance, or, or Adams and Renfro with uh, the emergence of Zay Jones. Sorry, not Zay Jones, Matt, Matt Collins. Collins. Same dude, right, basically. basically. Uh, but, you know, the emergence of Matt Collins, it's like a little more crowded than I want it to be. And also, we talked about Kyle Duggar. He's a real problem for tight ends. So I don't really, I'm not going to start Waller this week. Uh, you know, I'm kind of putting him on the back burner. If he does anything this week, I'll I'll start him next week uh, against I think he has the Steelers, which is a much more favorable matchup. But taking a guy like that off a lower body injury, putting him right in your lineup against one of the premier uh, tight end cover guys doesn't seem like a smart idea. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think a lot of fantasy managers are going to play him though, most likely because it's it's the name value, right? And right. they're like, well, I got I'm starting Austin Hooper. You know, I got I got to play Darren Waller, right? So. Well, people um, listening to this show won't be starting him, or yeah. you know, or if they will, they'll be doing it against my advice. Because I think people are there's going to be some people that are going to be shocked with how low if they they're shocked how high dosage is, they'll probably be shocked with how low Darren Waller is. No, I agree with you it's here. Uh, this is just kind of a slog game for New England. They may be without both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. We saw both rookie running backs, Kevin Harris and and Pierre Strong, last week score rushing touchdowns. Uh, you and I talked about this one on the podcast you know, a few weeks back with Bailey Zappi. Um, because in the fourth round of that draft, the Patriots drafted Bailey Zappi and they drafted Pierre Strong. Bailey Zappi was the uh, the, the FBS1 subdivision uh, passing leader uh, last season. Pierre Strong was the rushing leader last season in terms of total yards. So uh, they basically went out there and drafted the best passer and the best rusher in terms of yardage last year in the uh, subdivision there. Uh, and yeah. Strong looked good. He was super fast. He got that play on the edge and broke out a 40-yard run. Um, both of those guys could very well be in play this week uh, if Stevenson and Har- and uh, Damian, not Damian, Damian Harris are both out. Yeah, and you talk about you know the the connection there. Pierre Strong ran the fastest 40 time for running backs at the combine. Yep. And the other guy they drafted, Tyquan Thornton, ran the fastest 40 time. It's like, uh, it's like Belichick got his Ouija board out and called Al Davis for this draft, right? Like just trying to take the – fastest guy at every just, position yeah, just Let's, took at like just took the athletes right and like you know fourth right. round pick got, looked at the subdivision got the number one passing yardage number one rushing yard guy and then looked at the 40 times and took the two fastest players off the board so yeah. so um, back back against the, and the funny thing about kevin harris is that um the patriots actually released him earlier on in the season i'm 
fairly confident. He, they released him at final roster cuts because he was a six-round pick, yeah. Kevin Harris was. And then they brought him on the practice squad, brought him back around, you know. Now yep. he's uh, – uh, that was like October they brought him around. But, you know, kind of speaks to – in terms of confidence level, the fact that they released the guy, kind of crazy. But I don't know. If you had back against the wall, John here, would you start – uh, Kevin Harris or Pierre Strong Jr. say in a DFS. Line. So Pierre Strong for me because he is also kind of there. He he caught the football. Uh, Harris did get the first cracks though, so like that is a little interesting to me uh, at least. But I mean, Strong clearly the faster runner. I think he is more explosive, utilized a little bit more in, in their overall. You know how much they throw to Ramondre Stevenson. You know it feels like Strong's the guy that's going to get the opportunity. Yeah, if there's, I mean, especially a DFS, if there's a, if there's one guy who's going to break a 70 yard touchdown, it's Pierre Strong. Yep. Right. So that's that's what you lead. Mac Jones three career high 12 screen passes last week, by the way. So yeah, I was like, what the yeah, hell? We were that? losing I, our minds in our in our group right. chat there with our buddies watching that football game the, with all the screen. The, I just love that. Like, uh, they called a timeout at one point, and then Patricia called like a like a fake reverse screen yeah. like it was a double fake reverse and then they threw like a 40 yard pass so i was like nice a little razzle dazzle and then they went directly back to screens and draw and draw plays and i was yeah. like what he just they hit hunter henry up the seam twice for like 30 yards i'm like hey the the, the seam play still works against you know? the worst tight end defense in the league you couldn't get that guy more than three targets what right. are you doing three for 70 doing? for hunter henry he's wide open all night yeah i'm done with matt Patricia. yeah well, a lot of us are uh that's for sure uh, so, again, for the New England side of things, I mean, Devontae Parker's in concussion protocol. Jacoby Myers missed last game because of a concussion. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, your top two wide receivers probably in this game if those two guys are out, plus Hunter Henry. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe the backup running backs. I mean, this is a tough, you know, play the Patriots defense maybe, but, like, I don't know, man. It's it's some tough going for our Patriots here. Yeah, I don't really love – I don't love – playing too much out of this matchup except for maybe you know josh jacobs right you play i mean you'll play Devontae adams but you know, oh yeah what, is, right. what does belichick do to generally adams right like he well he just shut down deandre hopkins like he's done his entire career it feels like they'll make sure adams doesn't uh you know defeat them yeah and of course the the, the raiders sometimes defeat themselves with adams they only threw him twice in the second half of last week so uh, who knows? But yeah, yeah. Obviously, you play Adams. You got to play him. Everything else is really a, a stretch outside of Jacobs. I agree. Uh, <laughs> Bengals Buccaneers here. Tampa Bay getting three and a half at home. It's a forty-three and a half game total. Tampa got obliterated last week against the 49ers Here, uh, Bengals are coming off a win. They're rolling right now, eight and two in their last ten games. Uh, obviously, they're all fully healthy. Uh, sort of. Uh, we'll see the hamstring for T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd, I think, is going to be okay with that finger dislocation. Uh, and Joe Mixon came back for them last week. Yeah, no Hayden Hurst probably, and it's not like you were going to play Mitchell Wilcox either. So, uh, pretty easy what you're doing with the Bengals. You start, uh, you start Joe Mixon, you start Jamar Chase, and then Boyd and Higgins where you need them on the Buck side. Uh, you know, the spread here indicates that I think it's going to be more competitive game. Than some people would think. Tom Brady's still fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, they're still in the they're lead. They're leading their for that division, division. At six and seven. So that's crazy, right? Because the Panthers are five and eight. Uh, just wild, wild situation there. So, uh, you know, you start Godwin, you start Mike Evans, Julio. Uh, he's just not playing enough for me because they they do continue to use multiple tight ends. Kate Otten and Cameron Brate play. They use multiple running backs. Russell Gage plays a little bit. So it's really just Godwin and Evans for me. Running back situation, again, kind of interesting here um, because Rashad White did get volume last week, even with Leonard Fournette active. So I think White has worked his way into a flex play. 
both the guys though probably know more than flex plays because of how much they're cutting into one another. Yeah, White. I mean, he just he played a lot more last week than uh, than Fournette did, or not, he didn't play necessarily a lot more, but he got more carries. And, yeah, they both uh, basically played fifty percent of the snaps there. So yeah, but yeah, White skewed a little more running. Fournette pass downs. Yeah, again, flex plays just because they're split. And if any either one gets hurt, then they immediately ascend to RB two status. Yep, full on agreement with you on that one there as well. Uh, Tennessee Titans versus the Los Angeles Chargers here. Uh, Chargers got Mike Williams back last week. He went for 100 yards. They got Keenan Allen, uh, Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, or Justin Herbert. It's a great spot for their offense. On the defensive side of the football, they were without Derwin James last week. They were missing a cornerback, I think it was, as well. Now they're going up against Tennessee here. You know the Derrick Henry train's coming to town. Uh, we made a joke earlier about Chickagonquo there, but their tight ends are actually being productive. Both tight ends last week, Cooper and Akonquo, were uh, fantasy relevant given sort of the state of the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's kind of like Noah Fitton and and Will Disley, except they don't have to deal with Tyler Lockett and Metcalf. Right. They're still splitting the snaps. They each played just over, uh, right around 50% of the snaps, but they're getting plays drawn up for them. And just like the offensive coordinator told us last week, he goes, we want to get more plays drawn up for Chig. Sure enough, they give him the targets. They give him a handoff. You know, he didn't do much with it, but I like to see it, right? Scored a so, touchdown. <laughs> scored a touchdown, right? So... Uh, unfortunately he's still gonna be below he's still like people always get so excited about these hype trains they want these dudes to move way up the rankings uh you know especially when they score the touchdown but the fact of the matter is the guy still he only ran 25 routes on 50 dropbacks and this isn't a team that drops back 50 times so you that that usage it's fine when they do rarely drop back 50 times but when this team does what they like to do it's more like 25 30 and half of those snaps is 15 routes. So Chig, for me, even though it's a good matchup and everything, he's, again, can't quite depend on. Can't quite depend on. Yeah, tough tough to trust uh, because of the snap share. I do like, obviously, the 16 targets the last three weeks. And yeah. the fact that, you know, while it's only a three-point spread, you know, this one, you know, the Chargers offense, the way we just saw Jacksonville throw all over Tennessee, you know, if they do put up, you know, if they get up 14, Tennessee's going to have to throw more than they run. So, you know, there could still be some upside there for him. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's going to be in that right around the fringe tight end yeah. one range for me just because of how bad the options are. But, uh, you know, just keep in mind that the ceiling isn't as high as it could be. Yep. I agree with you there. Uh, Giants-Washington here. Uh, this is the game that tied two weeks ago. Uh, you know, Washington's coming off of their bye week. Uh, Giants are keep on sliding. Uh, anybody of interest here? I mean, obviously, I think we like Slayton uh, for the Giants. Barkley, if, you know, you got to play him, but the, the production's been down a bit. But nobody else for the Giants for me. No, nah, not really. I mean, like, people, if you want to get cute in DFS, I think Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James are those exact kind of guys where they're playing a ton of snaps. You can't count on them for weekly production, but it's worth the dart throw just based on the snaps. Like, that's where... That's a good place to start when you're looking for dart throws. Like, who's actually playing the whole game? Like, if they're going to throw, they threw 42 times, Richie James ran 42 routes. Or they threw, sorry, they threw 45 times. Isaiah Hodges ran 40. Like, you can throw darts at those guys, but in a real league with your back against the wall, you don't want to be getting cue like that. Yep, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, On the Washington side, John, I mean, I like, they're coming out of the bye. For the buy, I mean, I'm trying to like what I see out of Jahan Dotson. Uh, his usage is pretty good. He, you know, he he's playing more snaps than uh, Curtis Samuel already, even as a rookie. Are you are you willing to go there with Jahan Dotson? I know you start McLaurin where you need him, but uh, any interest there? 
I mean, maybe a little bit because he was so good earlier on. He was playing so many snaps, but then he came back and he wasn't. But if he's going to start seeing those that kind of snap share again, uh, he's right. been he has a nose for the red zone in the end zone. We've seen that this year. So yeah, I don't mind it. I thought another interesting thing today was uh, Brian Robinson uh, popping up as questionable here. Um, if for whatever reason he misses this game, Antonio Gibson's going to be a a must play here. Yeah, boy, would that be uh, would that make things easy? Like you never want to see guys injured, but from a fantasy standpoint. Whenever a, a team is using two slipbacks and it goes down to one, oof, man, that is where you get – that's where the money gets made. That Tony Pollard had a game like that earlier this year. If we could just get one of those guys, feel a lot better starting them. Yep, I, I full-on agreement with you there. Uh, while we're recording, a little bit of breaking news here. The Saints have claimed Eno Benjamin off of waivers. Not that I think it will impact uh, Alvin Kamara at all. Again, we talked about my, uh, Mark Ingram being out for the year. They needed to add some running back depth. Uh, and it appears that, you know, Benjamin is on his uh, now third team of the year. Yeah, I mean, anytime a team releases, you know, Benjamin, when they themselves need have, <laughs> when they need a running back, it concerns me, right? <laughs> so, like, when, you know, Melvin Gordon was released, when they just put Chase Edmonds on IR. And how bad is Daryl Henderson that he continues to be a free agent and you know, Benjamin keeps on popping around? He goes, I don't know. Daryl Henderson just got released again by Jacksonville. So Right. Crazy that, you know, these guys floating around could be plug-and-play options. But uh, I don't know. The, the fact that Damian Pierce is set to miss this week and maybe multiple games and they still yeah. release Eno like, Benjamin. Now Rex Burkhead's our guy. See, you know. So. Right. Getting released from the Texans and that under those conditions, not not super appealing to me. Nope. So. All right. Let's finish this off here. We have the Rams versus the Packers on Monday Night Football. Packers are at home giving six and a half. It's a 39 and a half game total here. Uh, Packers are coming off of their bye. We know that Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with a couple of different ailments, but he wasn't able to play last week. Um, you know, Christian Watson, uh, Alan Lazard, the running back situation, something to watch because Aaron Jones got hurt. Uh, we saw AJ Dillon really take over, but I think Jones is going to be good here. And Romeo Dubs is expected to return for Green Bay. So we'll have a full strength offense for Green Bay here against the Rams. Yeah, two people clearly can't catch a break this year. One, AJ Dillon owners, just when you thought you were going to get an AJ Dillon game, Aaron Jones gets hurt right before the bye week, right? Yeah. Uh, the other guy that can't catch a break is the schedule maker because in his mind, he probably sat there and said, Super Bowl winning. Rams against uh, Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. This is a no-brainer, in right? In December, Let's it could be a playoff preview. Hey, he's like, you know, they can't miss with this one, right? Yeah. Well, I guess you can miss, right? Because no Cooper Cup, no Aaron Donald, no Matthew Stafford. Like, what Alan a nightmare Robinson's situation. Gone. You don't, no no run. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a bloodbath. Baker Mayfield is – so Baker Mayfield actually is a win for the schedule makers because plenty of eyes are going to watch this game for the fact that Baker Mayfield is on the Rams right now. Right, yeah, the narrative there. The narrative is there. I wonder if I wonder if Goodell like forced the uh, forced the Panthers to uh, release Baker Mayfield <laughs> just, just just stir the pot I mean, a little bit. This time last week, you and I were kind of laughing at the idea that Baker Mayfield was going to be the starting quarterback for the Rams forty eight hours after he signed, and then he led them to a win with two fourth quarter touchdowns, including a ninety eight yard drive uh, to score a score touchdown with like ten seconds left. Uh, I mean. Are you buying into Tutu Atwell, Ben Skoranek, Van Jefferson, Cam Akers is the lead back? You know, are, are we a believer in a Baker Mayfield-led Rams offense here against Green Bay? I'm in favor of stashing him. I'm in favor of stashing him because you see guys, they find, they you know, they get a connection with a, a player and find some plays that work. Like, if Ben Skoranek comes out and has eight targets again, who am I to say he won't have eight targets a third time with the new quarterback, right? I mean... It's it's worth a look. Dan Jefferson is the one I like best out of the crew, but the, those two, Dan Jefferson, Ben Skronik, I mean, 
you, I've seen crazier things. It just it blows my mind that Baker Mayfield could show up for, you know, for two days and learn enough of the an NFL playbook to drop back thirty five times. Like that's insane to me. I can't believe that that you know he was able to pick up the playbook like that. I expected a lot more handoffs. Like he looked like he had been there all season. He looked better than he has on any other team. So uh, maybe uh, maybe that's what he needed just to simplify things. So. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, another team where I've been the biggest Baker Mayfield hater. That's no, no, no question. No question. Right. Like on Twitter, type my Twitter handle plus Baker Mayfield. You'll see years worth of tweets trashing the guy. Yes. That being said, I am fully willing to say that he has had some of the worst coaches. I think I said this last week on last week's pod. He has had some of the worst coaches and been in some of the worst situations for quarterbacks to be in going from his three, you know, all the coaches he had to deal with, with uh with the Cleveland Browns, then he Hugh goes Jackson. to yeah, then he goes here to Carolina, and and that situ- that situation was in shambles from the beginning, and now he's going to a coach in law in with the Rams, who is considered sort of a coaching guru, you know, one of the best young upcoming guys there is. He won a Super Bowl, uh, you know, maybe this is what Baker Mayfield needed, and you know the Rams have kind of said like this is their. They, they're not sure if Matthew Stafford is done playing football, right? Like mm. elbow injuries, now season ending injury for him. You know, this is their Baker Mayfield tryout for the remainder of the season. Looking at the board, looking who's out there, you know, if Baker does win them some games and looks like a competent quarterback under Sean McVay, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's some hope for Baker after all. That Don't. said, for everybody who's lauding his comeback win there, he did throw an interception on that final drive that just happened to get overturned because of a defensive penalty, right. which, again, they call these defensive penalties all the time these days. Uh, and he was also aided by a personal foul call after he took a sack that a defensive player just, like, knocked the ball out of his hands for no reason. I mean, he, he got some good breaks, <laughs> you know. That yes. interception was a very Baker Mayfield interception to throw. Uh, but he bounced back, can't take it away from him, drove down the field, scored a touchdown. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll say this, right? We'll say... Um, don't drop him in your super flex dynasty leagues. That's about the nicest thing we could say right now. Mm-hmm. Baker, right. But I think that's legit. I think that, and that's high praise coming from this podcast. I mean, and we're rooting for the guy to succeed because he's like a, you know, seems like a fun guy and everything, but I mean, you've been a hater of Baker Mayfield's and you haven't been wrong. You know what I mean? And, and not a hater of him as a person, but a hater of him for the situation and the way he plays football. Bad, so. He's just been a bad football player. He's been a bad football player, man. And that's, I mean, that is numerical. We, we can go back and, lo- and look at those numbers. So it's okay to, you got to have some takes, you know? So, but we're rooting for the guy. I think it's fun, you know? So I'm going to root for him and uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent there uh, as well. One last piece of news as we, again, we are recording. Uh, apparently Brock Purdy is on the injured list here with the, uh, an oblique injury. So, uh, oh, not, we'll, not, not the megastar. Yeah. Well, so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, uh, what, what's going on with uh, Brock Purdy there, uh, as we hit that Thursday night football game. So if you have Brock Purdy in your lineups, uh, pay attention to the injury reports. We'll have all the inactives out there, uh, on Thursday before game time here. Coop, any final words for the people at home? So if Brock Purdy doesn't play, that would be Josh Johnson going in there. And then that's, if that's the case, you can probably take all those 49ers and just kind of move them out of your yeah, I would assume that would be a, that would be a fair case here because that I mean, Josh Johnson, God bless him, as a veteran quarterback that's been in the league uh, forever. Um, you know, there's just the the upside for him uh, very limited. 
I think what he is now at this point, we've seen a few of them. Kevin O'Connell was that for quite a while uh, as a backup quarterback. That's just you're, he's there for his mind. Right. He's there because he helps from the scout team. He's been in the league for a while. He knows how to conduct himself. And eventually, maybe he'll become a coach the way Kevin O'Connell is now the head coach of the Vikings. But right. uh, you you don't want him in the game. The, the plan <laughs> is to not the plan is to have him with the team, not necessarily on it. Yep, I agree with you there. Uh, Brian Hoyer, right? Brian Hoyer is a guy like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, and last thing I'll say, remember, go to fantasyarm.com slash Thrive Fantasy. Take advantage of uh, what everything that's got going on over there. You get a $100 deposit instant match if you use promo code ALARM. Uh, up to $100, 100% deposit match uh, using promo code ALARM. So they got a lot of great contests over there. Uh, they got player props. You can go on over there. So Colby Conway also writes a weekly article. You can find that over at Fantasy Alarm there as well. Um, and, and take a look at some of his top plays for week 15 and, and get in some of those Thrive DFS Pigum contests. Yeah, this is, I love that for the single slate games, like for the Thursday game where you go in and pick 10 props. Though That's a lot of fun. I, lo- I love that contest because it's like you don't have to get them all right like a parlay. If you just get, you know, six, seven, eight of them right, then, then it pays out, you know, and if you get them all right, you can win some of these big tournaments and it's fun just to sit there and be like, all right, do I like Ayuk this week? Do I like Christian McCaffrey to have X number of receptions? It's a good way to get access to prop bets without having to actually like shell out cash to your bookie, you know? So yep. uh, check it out. Thrive Fantasy. It's a lot of fun. Yep, for sure. So that's it, guys. Week 15 in the books. Good luck, everybody. Coop and I will be back for week 16. Find us on Twitter. Find us in the Discord. We'll catch you next week.